0: Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the word with us. So let's let's dive in tonight. I I struggled with what to call tonight's message. I'll just be the first to tell you. And it might even go online as something different than you're reading on the stream right now. I don't know. Uh, when we get done tonight, we'll title it. But I, I just I want to learn in life that we are faith people, and it's through the Word that we can learn how to live life. We can learn how to have the right response. We can learn how to live a life of excellence. And, and for years... This was a struggle for me because I didn't understand that we, I knew that we were, but I didn't understand it. We're three-part beings. We're body, soul, and spirit. Now, I want to talk tonight about how in all three of those areas, if we learn all three of those areas are who we are, we can fight the enemy's tool that he has and he attacks us in. Of apathy. Years ago, and there's been several churches that we would go in, and I would try to help and assist pastors. And I've heard this forever. Actually, you just don't understand the spirit of apathy that's over our area. I've heard that time and time again. And and I, I actually was invited by uh, wall builders a few years ago to go to Hawaii, Michelle and I went, and uh, we were going to speak to a, a big group of pastors in Hawaii, and my assignment from wall builders was to speak on the subject of apathy and how we as a church have become apathetic, and we've got to realize that God did not have a spirit of apathy available for all the Christians to walk in. In fact, because God empowered us, we don't have to walk in apathy like the rest of the world does. Amen. But the sad part is, is we've got apathy in the church. Now, understanding the spirit, the soul, and the body all have to operate in three areas. They have to, they have to receive They have to maintain, and they have to produce. In all three parts of your being, you have to receive, you have to maintain, you have to produce. Now, receiving is based on what you allow in you. So you get in the spirit, man, right when you live by what Jesus did for you on the cross, and you receive his gift of salvation. And that is available for you to receive in your spirit man. Now, you, as, as you receive that gift in your spirit man, you keep your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, you keep them right daily by living according to what Jesus did on the cross to made available for you in your spirit man. So your soul man is made right, and and daily you have to die to yourself daily you have to get that mind where it needs to be. And then you live outwardly daily in your physical being, your body, by being in the right place. and tonight you chose to take your physical body and be in God's house. Now here's what I, I never take lightly. When I am ministering the word, I, I take what Ephesians 4:12 t- talks about uh, with the fivefold ministry the gifts that were given to the church to teach, edify, build up, and equip them to go out and do the work of the ministry. So tonight as I'm teaching, preaching, I do a little more teaching than I do preaching sometimes, but as I'm teaching tonight, this ought to be an equipping for you to go out and do the work of the ministry. That's always my heart. And if you're going to be here physically, it needs to be a receiving for you physically yeah. so that tomorrow you can not only maintain the life that God called you to live, but you can produce yes, sir. in the life God called you to live, and your produce is big. I don't know if y'all have any gardens right now, I'm just kind of going on a little rabbit trail, but I've sure been enjoying the tomatoes out of my mama's garden. So she, she has been growing some, anybody else have some really good tomatoes? But don't go ask her, I'm eating hers. But you can find some somewhere. The, the tomatoes that are being produced are awesome. And what I love is when I meet a Christian and I can just see the produce in their life. I can just see the sweetness of life and how they're living it according to God. And it's all because they've received. They've learned to receive, they've learned to maintain. Are you getting that? they've learned to receive, they've learned to maintain, and then they've learned to, in that maintenance, to produce. So I'm I, i I'm not going to spend all night, and I was going to talk all about that, but I think that's a real easy point to understand. So I want to go a little deeper, and I want to talk a little more about what the enemy has done by a tool that Christians have used as an excuse, and I've already mentioned it, apathy. Satan has this tool in his arsenal of weapons, and he's been making good use of it here in America. And the sad part is, it's not the heathen, it's the Christian that's operating in apathy. Apathy means a lack of interest or concern, especially regarding matters of importance. It also means a lack of emotion or feeling towards something important. Well, in the parts of our being, we can't be apathetic spiritually, we can't be apathetic in our mind, will, and emotions, and we can't be apathetic physically. We've got to get to a place where understanding if apathy is a tool of the enemy, it can't be in any area of our life, and people not even realizing that some of the problems they're facing today is just a result of us letting the enemy bring apathy in. We're we're just we're wallowing in self pity. Yeah. Yeah. We're all the time going, "Oh, it's just a horrible day, boy. This heat. It's July. Oh, you just don't understand what I've had to deal with." I get life's tough, but don't let what you're dealing with move you into a place of apathy. Now, here's what happens when when apathy sets in: our receiving, our maintaining, and our producing gets affected. We can't be, we're just not producers when we're dealing with apathy. So if you have the opposite of apathy, which is what I want to title tonight's sermon, I don't know how to give one word for it. I've tried. You would have, if you have the opposite of apathy, you'd have an interest in living life based on what's important. You'd have an interest in making sure every response is what God would have you to say or do. See, you, you would have emotions and feelings that are all elevated based on what's important in life and not being defeated on what is trying to take you out. So that's the title. All that's the title of my message. The fall of man, apathy. Genesis 3, however you look at it. Did she not have a spirit of apathy towards what God had said? Sure she did a lack of interest, a lack of concern on something that was very important. God said it. It's very important. Right now, our whole world seems to not care what God says because we're living in a way that goes in direct disobedience to the word of God. Therefore, they don't care. Well, it shouldn't surprise you when the world don't care. The concern is, is when Christians don't care. That's the concern. And see, she didn't have a concern, and then Adam didn't really have a concern either. He tried to blame it on Eve. That woman you gave me. See, it was a lack of concern for what God had said. I just want you to know nothing's changed since Adam and Eve. Nowhere is apathy more evident than in the American church today. And I'm not sitting here trying to put down churches. I'm just saying we've got to call it what it is. And an apathy, a spirit of apathy that's going into all of our churches, we've got to fight. And we can't. Succumb to it. I mean, we can't give in to it. Those who call themselves Christian can be the most difficult people in the world to motivate. I'm just, it's tough. I mean, now why, why is that? Because we're self absorbed. We're just self absorbed. We're not God absorbed, we're self absorbed. And we're living according to the flesh. Here's the reasons why wall builders wanted me to go to Hawaii. They wanted me to go over and not whip them. And I don't want to whoop you tonight. I want to give you something really encouraging. And they wanted me to go over and try to encourage the pastors of Hawaii to recognize that God says something and he means it. And when you live by it, then there is produce. It actually works. And what's happened for years is the church has got this spirit of apathy in it and they're scared to open their mouth and say what God said. Now, you, we can amen it right here. In fact, we can get up and dance about it right here. We don't do a lot of that, but you can. <laughs> now, you start being a little disturbing, and we'll probably say something to you. But hear this. I mean, I, I'm just telling you, we can get excited about the Word, and you can amen it. And I really like that. I preach better. But if you don't say anything, I'll just teach. But I get into preaching when there's more... At- <laughs> But see, what, what happens though is we get excited behind these four walls and we can all get in agreement right here, but what about tomorrow when we leave? Yeah, sure. And we're on the job. Or let me just say this, when we go home we turn our radio on, what are you listening to? When you turn your TV on tonight, what are you watching? See, there's just a, we, we have all of these attacks from the enemy on the life that we're living to try to produce apathy. Now, That just means we're living according to the flesh. We can talk about the moral decline in America. We can talk about losing the ability to live a life of excellence as a Christian. And and, and the deal is Christians have been largely just indifferent. They've been been unconcerned. They've been apathetic. And here's what you got to know. Missionaries right now are coming to the United States from other countries trying to get the people to live their Christianity. Because they will tell you in other countries that are having to serve God behind closed doors because of their government. They're trying to serve God, and they're just trying to believe Him for the next meal because they don't know where it's coming from. And they're trying to believe God for things, and they're living a life of total trust and surrender just to be able to live. So let's go over to America who has it really nice and easy, and let's try to get over to America and help the Christians over there to understand. Do you know Alvin comes up here and he says, there's way more work to be doing here than there is in Honduras. Why Why would our missionary say that? And he will tell you it's because we have got comfortable and we're just not that concerned and we should be. Transforming apathy is what we've got to do to a fire for God and We've got to live life based on that fire. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 20 or it will be on the screen. I want to look at a story in Scripture of a man who went to sleep, fell from the window, while preaching was going on. (laughs) Hopefully no one falls asleep tonight. Let's read Acts 20, verse 7. It says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. He's going to get all in that he could get in. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms and then I believe he looked up I mean it doesn't say, but he looked up at everybody and goes don't worry he he said he's alive then they all went back upstairs shared in the Lord's Supper ate together and Paul kept talking until dawn and then he left Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. I read this story, and I want you to know that's why we don't have any windows in this church. No, that's not. That's... The church of Ephesus is a picture in my mind, of a lot of Christians today. Now, this wasn't in Ephesus. This is after Paul had left Ephesus, but he was really, really, had just left the church of Ephesus and was preaching the story that was out of that church. And so he was going around, and they were just, the church of Ephesus, godly on the outside, but just empty on the inside. Everybody thought that they had it going on as they would look at someone else's life because they'd put that, Sunday morning, smile on. How you doing? I'm great. But no one knew what was really happening inside. So they put that outer shell on and, and the excitement, the passion had, had dried up and the excitement and zeal for God had been forsaken. Now, Revelation 2, verse 2 says, I know all the things you do. I've seen seen your hard work. I've seen your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered that they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Now, this spiritual condition that I'm talking about, I want you to know, I'm not here to whoop anybody for it, but it's taken over cities that were once Christian-based. It's taken over counties that were once Christian. It's taken over states that were once Christian. It's taken over a lot of the United States of America that was once founded and lived by Christian values. That's what has happened. The spirit of apathy, and and, and I, I want you to know that we read this story about Paul preaching and Eutychus falling asleep. And I get it because I've had people fall asleep on me, and they'll come up and apologize and say, I, "I just want you to know I'm sorry. I just it was a tough day." And I. Hey, let me just tell you, I have more compassion towards someone falling asleep, especially with boring preachers, which I can be. But I'm just telling you, I understand it because there was a season of life that I worked nights and I would go to church because I was going to be in church, but I'd fall asleep all the time. But as I look back at that season, I really wasn't just falling asleep in church, I was falling asleep on my Christianity. I wasn't living it out like I needed to be. And I I, I just, I, I was reading about falling asleep in church. You know, if you take every person, every person on any given Sunday in the United States that falls asleep in church, and you line them up end to end, they'd probably be a lot more comfortable. <laughs> it took me a while to get that too, but that's pretty funny. I... I <laughs> When I was in Hawaii, I wanted to share with them about how Christians in this area are asleep. And pastors, you've got to do something to motivate them. And I was thinking, what am I doing? And I mean, why am I going over there? What am I doing to motivate God's people? What am I doing? And it was a heavy weight on my shoulders that I, I wanted to motivate our people to be doing acts of righteousness. I wanted to motivate them to be in love with God and and to have the right receiving, the right maintaining, and the right producing. I wanted all of that, and so I'm going over to Hawaii, and I'm going to tell them all, and I'm praying about it, and I'm getting all excited. And then this hurricane, the only one in my lifetime, is coming right towards Hawaii. And they canceled the whole thing. And I didn't get to speak to the pastor's in Hawaii, of the three or 400 pastors I was supposed to be talking to, seven of them showed up. And I was like, "Mm." seven pastors showed up. How are we going to motivate with seven? And God spoke to me as I was praying about that that day. And he said, if these seven If you'll tell him, if you'll get motivated to just love God and love people. Come on, go back to what the scripture said in Revelation 2. Just love God and love people. Those seven people right there, that's my number. And transform all of Hawaii. And I have heard since then from Tim Barton a couple of different really awesome stories of what has happened as a result of that. And they have continued to meet, and they've continued to do more and more. Uh, What I love is those seven pastors were with me, and we were praying that, that thing away. We called home, and our church here was praying that thing away several years ago, and it just dissipated. The news was just going crazy. I can't understand it. And what they didn't put on there, and I saw it in Hawaii, there was a big heart right there of clouds right there when it dissipated. There was a heart of clouds that they showed on their radar. And I'm like, hello, that's the heart of God. He loves people. He loves people and prayer changes things. And we just started praying. All right, I'm I'm getting, I'm digressing, but you need to understand what I'm talking about when I say there's a point in life that we have to realize we have to wake up. I got four quick points here and and I'm not just starting my sermon I'm halfway through it, but here here we go the 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 points of this story number one, the causes of Eutychu's drowsiness and fall, the cause of this number one, the exhausting lateness of the midnight hour so that there is just a a culprit called the midnight hour and, and our text mentioned. In Acts 27, Paul kept on talking until midnight. Now, now I, I will tell you that's long-winded preaching. But he had something to say, and he had people that wanted to hear it. And why other people enjoyed hearing the Word of God while other people feel it's a punishment or strenuous, sitting and hearing the message, even just for 30 to 40 minutes, Come on, the American culture can't handle over 40 minutes of a preacher. Whereas there are some parts of the world where they'll walk four or five hours to hear as much preaching as they can get because they understand it's just the plain old preaching of the gospel that things change and that people are equipped. Why can some do it and some can't? The answer is a condition of the heart. It is every time. Spiritual drowsiness should be transformed to a watchfulness, should be transformed to perseverance. And and we can do this easy when we have a burning love for God in our hearts. I'm just telling you, doing our part is essential. It's essential for us. Midnight is a dangerous hour. It was midnight when the death angel passed through Egypt and killed the firstborn. Come on, it was midnight when the cry was made that woke the sleeping virgins, telling them the bridegroom is here. It was the midnight hour. Midnight can also mean the halfway point or the start of the new. And I like looking at it that way. It was midnight when Paul and Silas turned the corner and turned their pain into praise. Remember, they're praising And It was at the midnight hour that things changed for them. Midnight is where it can go either way. It's a decision time and it can go either way. Those who are sleeping when they should be watching and praying will be caught by surprise. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be aware. Come on, we, uh, we've got to be knowing what's happening in all of our environments. Why? Because we are receiving physically so that we can maintain physically so that we can produce physically. We need God's people to stand up when they're trying to ruin something that was supposed to be family-friendly just talked about that a couple of, at what point is the christians going to say whoa 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 we've got to do something number 2 the satisfying comfort of many lamps gets us into a a place of comfort the satisfying comfort of lamps now, I read this story about Eutychus, Acts 28. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Lamps provide security, comfort. They allow us to see. Now, there's two thoughts here that I'm going to give you with this story. There's plenty of light that surrounds us, so there's no excuse for the kingdom of God not to be seen, right? My question is, are you surrounding yourself with others' light or are you the light? So we, you can be in a... You can be a flashlight amongst flashlights, and you're the only one that don't have a battery. But there's still light there. You're just the one that's not shining. Now, that's not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you if you're not shining. And we've got to be shining. We've got to get to a place where all of these lights are not just getting us comfortable. Here in the United States, because we're a Christian nation, we've just got so comfortable. And the church has lost its role, and the government tried to take it over. Those who become contented with the comfort of their lamps, the lamp of salvation, let me say, become blind to what's happening, and we're not aware of our part. I'm saved, I get to go to heaven, and then we quit doing our part. Number three, the window seat. Represents an area of compromise. Acts 29, seated in a window. Seated in a window. Now, I, I love this point. I just, this is such a big deal. When you are hearing the preaching of the word, a window is not a good place to be. Let me show you a window. A window is not a good place to be. Right here is my pictures. Oh, look at those fish. Right, right, right. Here is a window, yeah. and I can sit there, and nobody knows it. Right. And the preaching of the words going on, and here I am. Wow, wow, so good. I'm making notes, but I'm texting somebody. I'm, I'm making notes, and all of a sudden, the window is. Oh wait, so, something. Really and you missed the one point would have changed your whole life. See, windows represent an opportunity for something to be received. Yeah. So when you're sitting in the window and you needed to be studying, you need to be reading the Word, You need, and you're sitting in a window, you've got the opportunity for two things, one coming in from that side and one coming in from this side. And here's what I can tell you. As it keeps coming from both sides, it lulls you into not hearing from either. We become double-minded. We're not paying attention. The window of divided attention, the window of compromise, the window of exploring the world, the window of temptation. Windows are where things come in. The entertainment you watch, the, the things that you listen to, the TikToks that you are watching. I'm just telling you, you name it, and there is a window right there, and how much are you giving yourself to that window over the window that God said he wants to pour out on you? He wants to bless his people. Boy, I, I just, these are big deals. Those who seat themselves on the windows of compromise and continually explore the entertainment of the devil while hearing the word of God, you're getting lulled. Wow. Wow. Hmm. wow. I, I'm just telling you, apathy is destructive. Man. It's tough enough to stay focused on God based on where our mind is continually going. I just want you to tell, I want to tell you that I'm thankful for you parents. I'm grateful for you bringing your kids to church. Even though hearing the word is difficult, I'm just, it's so difficult, especially on Sundays when you got your kids in here, you're trying to teach them how to sit in church. It's tough. I mean, my grandkids are wanting to sucker the whole time. They're wanting to, they're wanting this, they're wanting, and, and, and if they don't keep Grandma Carol away for a little bit, I mean, they're, they're wanting to go. They're not paying it. Okay, I understand where they're at. Well, I'm just not coming to church. It's just too much. She won't quit bringing suckers. Now, I'm talking about my own family because I don't want to get on anybody. They know their lives are open for sermon material. <laughs> But really, the fact is, it's really easy for a mom to say, you know what, it's just easier to stay at home. And then it's easier to stay at home, and then it's easier to stay at home. I, I want you to know, I-, I just am so thrilled that we have parents that understand the importance of getting equipped and not leaving the window open to stay at home. <laughs> I understand that's, that looks better, it's way easier. But anything that's good's worth working for, and anything that's worth working for is probably going to take some effort, and might even be deemed as hard. Yeah. I, I want you know this: sitting on the front row is not an option for everyone. Everyone can't sit on the front row, and I hate it for you. <laughs> I really do because I'm getting as close as I can to the front. Yeah. That's how I, I I just I want to do all I can to eliminate distractions. I'm not wanting to sit in a window. It's tough enough for me to pay attention anyway when I got someone as beautiful as my wife sitting right beside me. That that was all for me. I'm just saying, it's tough. (laughs) I know. I'm trying not to look at her because she's going to go, go on. It's just one of those things that in life, I'm just telling you, that window is so giant and you don't even realize it until you're there. Yeah. Wow. You don't even realize the compromise that's taken place. Uh, we, we've got to get to a place where we close the windows of compromise. Yeah. Yeah. We've just got to. We need excellence to become our standard. Yeah. We've just got to live a life of excellence. Let me just tell you, if nine, well, well I'm, come on, Pastor, I'm doing 99% good. Okay, well, let me just tell you, if 99% was good enough, Tomorrow, the United States Post Office would lose over five million pieces of mail. If ninety, some of y'all are going, well, they only hit at ninety eight because I've lost more. <laughs> Not. Coca Cola sells one point nine billion drinks a day. If ninety nine percent was good enough, in the next hour, almost eight hundred thousand drinks would be flat. You're like, that's not speaking to me, Pastor. Okay, well, if you're flying and 99% is good enough, over 50 planes today in takeoff and landing would crash. And that's just in Atlanta, Georgia. That's not even the right. That one got you a little bit better. Come, We got to strive to not let a window of 99% be how we live. We need a life of excellence. Yeah, wow. We need to, we just got to strive to not let a window stay open of excuses for why we're opening the window to that. Right, right. I, for years, I went. And I'm almost to my fourth point and then I'll be done. But for years, I I did youth conferences all over the country. Before the church uh, had started here, Michelle and I and the girls would travel and we went to a lot of different states and we would go to a youth conference and I'd be the guest speaker at this youth conference. And I would always just take one of the top five or ten songs from the billboard. This is what I do. I just take these songs and I would review the words. A lot of this was before Google was available, so but I would get the words to these songs. Now, a lot of times there's a radio-friendly version, and then there's a version that's just, I'm talking about full-blown heathen. But even the radio version had stuff that probably we shouldn't be listening to. And I could pull it from any genre of music. I could go to contemporary, I could go to except for gospel music. Now some of you are gonna go, here he goes on the gospel I'm just telling you, I was really, really careful to look at and find these words. Now, there were some songs that didn't. If bad music over here that comes directly against the word and Christian music all is aligned up with the word, this middle of the road stuff, I understand that there's nothing that went against the word. And there's nothing that sent you into sin. So I have said, okay, I'm not going to sit here and draw a line that you can't listen to anything but this. That's like only having plumbers work on churches. So I'm okay with you being able to come, but really, could we at least draw the line to not go over here and talk about things that are of complete sexual nature? And and, and so I I was I was working hard on communicating this years ago, and so what I'd do is I would play this name that tune game, and I'm I'd I, I, hang on. I'd have all the kids, as soon as you know this song, we'd start the song off. And as soon as the song would start, kids would jump up everywhere like, I know it, I know it, what is it? And they'd say it, and I'd say, yeah, and then I'd play a little more of Were they right? Yeah, they were right. They were all clapping and screaming and yelling. And I'd go, that was good. You knew that, you knew that. Let's go to the next one. And I'd go to the next one. And I mean, we would have person after person jump up, and that was the greatest song I've ever heard. That was awesome. And they'd jump up and jump up. Then I'd play some of the Christian music and it took a little longer into the song, but we'd get somebody to finally stand and they'd know it. Sometimes it took all the way to the point where they got to the chorus and they actually sang the words of the title. But we'd get it done. I had this one pastor at a church down in the boot hill of Missouri and he said, I always got permission because this kind of was one of those things. I'm using words from songs from Green Day, and I'm using some songs that, and anyway, you can imagine what they were. And I'd already bleeped them out, but they were singing them out, the kids were. And they're up on, and so then I put them on the screen, and I put little asterisks where the words that were bad, but you would know what they were. And I said, I'm going to do this, and I had to get permission because some people were like, yeah, you can't do that. Well, I wanted them to see what their kids, and the pastor told me this. He said, listen. You just don't know our kids. And I said, I, I may not. He goes, I'm going to give you permission to do it, but I just want you to know how surprised you're going to be when you put those words up and you play your little game and they're not going to know them. Okay. So I'm going to do that, and if that's okay with you, I'm going to go ahead and try it. Here's the deal. If they don't know it, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, hey, I, it'll probably overwhelm me. And I, I'm going to tell them, and I'm going to shift the message to this, and I'm going to tell them how, man, this is the greatest group of young people I've ever see I just can't believe you don't know and here's what happened I started playing it and it happened just like it does everywhere I watched the pastor standing in the back and I could see him from visibly from where I was tears coming down his face and we got to the end and here's what I did at the end I ministered to those kids and I said listen I'm not here to condemn anyone that's not my heart I just want you to know that what comes in you will go out of you eventually and you may not even know what you're singing because I grew up singing songs and I'm like, now that is horrible. See if 99% is good enough or we going to live a life of excellence. And so I would say, Here, here's the deal. You can be the standout. You can be the one person who's going to live the life of excellence. And I would have an altar call and they would come down and they would bring their, at that time it was their iPods and they would bring them to the front and they would delete and they would delete And I would hear calls from pastors. That was the most powerful night. Our whole youth group has changed. And I said, find out the words to the songs that you're feeding yourself. See, because you're receiving in body, soul, and spirit. And it's coming right in through the five physical senses. And I mean, these kids will be up their lives transformed. More people get saved that night than any other nights that I taught on. They give their heart and life to Jesus because they realize the input of the world and what it was doing to their lives. Okay, well, the end of that story is the pastor came up front. After it was over with, all these kids had had made these decisions, and he came up, and he just said, I'm just so brokenhearted. I never dreamed it was as bad as it is. And parents, I want you to know, don't be deceived. That was coming in through an iPod. Now they have phones with Internet. You don't think for a second that there's not more going on than you might not know about. What I'm saying is you've got to parent and you got to teach the importance of living a life of excellence. And that's why I applaud you for being in church because that's what we'll be taught here. And I don't want to offend anybody. I have a compassion for what this is producing in our young people. The last one and the fourth one is the lack of spiritual hunger for the word. Is what happened with Eutychus. Acts 29, Paul talked on and on and on. And in a natural sense, it could be the length of the message, but in a closer look, the reason could have been spiritual. The Christian life that seems to be dry and lifeless, the heart lost its appetite for hearing the word. Come on, all of us have to fight to stay in the word or we will lose our appetite of being in it every day. You'll lose your appetite of being in the word. You've got to get that word. The word's got to overcome what else you're trying to feed yourself. It's got to over, it's got to come on top of that. See, the the falling is what made Eutychus and other people change. What I, I've got to end this message, and let me just say it like this. After he fell, what happened? Everybody's attention was on him. Nobody knew it when he fell asleep, except for maybe Paul. I'm telling you, the preacher knows if you're sleeping. <laughs> but but nobody else probably knew. Sitting up in this window, nobody else knew. Until they heard the thud. It didn't quite sound like that. It was a thud. And he hits the ground and Paul runs down. It's three stories. The Bible says he died. Paul runs down and ministers immediately to this young man. And he looks up at people, so they'd had to run down with him. He says, okay, he's alive. And guess what? Him and Eutychus and everybody else went back up and carried on with the things of God. You've got to know our part isn't to condemn those that fall. It's to run down, get them healed, get them understanding, and then get back into the word. Get back in. Get back into what God has for you. Don't leave it there. Get back in. Uh, Just paraphrasing, Revelations 2, 5, remember the height from which you've fallen, repent. And do the things that you did at first. Repent and do the things you used to do. Do what you did at first. What'd you do at first? You love God and you love people. You love God and I love you tonight. I love God tonight. And I want you to know that you've got to be saying that and it, it overpowers it over. Jesus, we sang that song tonight. Jesus, it's the name of Jesus. And whatever situation you're in, in whatever your party scene is and your your activities, what you're letting into your house, watch that is it pleasing to the Lord because we can't get this spirit of apathy operating in the lives of God's people we have a plan and it's perfect now that doesn't mean that we operate in perfection all the time I understand we fail but you're going to be way better on the edge of perfection if you're following a perfect plan than following what's on the other side of the window I don't know if you got anything but that's all I got y'all standing up Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.